1: Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast.
2: It's the Fulhamish Podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC. My name is Sammy James. And on tonight's show, we'll be taking all the liberties as we discuss Friday night's win over Swansea City in South Wales. Oh, what a joyous time to be a Fulham fan. All the doom and gloom from early this month dispelled as Scott Parker's men take 12 points out of 12. Uh, as we head into the festive season, I'm joined by three very wise men. George Cooper. Hello. Joe Sansom. Hello. And a belated happy Thanksgiving to Mr. Nathan Martin. Ho, ho, ho. Did you have turkey and all the trimmings?
0: I did, and then I I had turkey for lunch, and then I went and I have a fantasy football, American football league that I play in, and we had our annual Wingsgiving, which we ate 11 kilos of chicken wings and watched the NFL in the evening. So that's a pretty strong
2: Americana-laden day. Do you feel very American after the past week?
0: Uh, Even more than normal? I, I do, but then, you know, eventually American does something, like someone in my country does something really stupid, and then I'm just like, oh sake and go back to things so yeah back to feeling a bit British again yeah well you know like let's be honest shout out to the, the heroes over on the, the the bridge the other day and those are the sort of things where I say like you know guy fighting off terrorists with a fire extinguisher and a narwhal tusk makes you pretty proud to live in this country didn't need a gun didn't need to do anything stupid so yeah you know feel feel pretty proud to be part of this really awesome city Great. Well, that took
2: uh, a turn that I wasn't quite expecting <laughs> at the beginning of the podcast, but uh, nevertheless, a very important message. You. Can,
1: we, can we also um, can we also just just clarify? Eleven
2: kilograms of chicken wing. Yeah, yeah, they, that was you, the most interesting part of what you said. Yeah, it was eight guys eating eating
0: eleven kilograms. They serve them by the the chicken wing, and uh, yeah, I was I was feeling not very thankful or festive the next day, but it was a very good evening.
2: Thankful for chicken wings. That's right. <laughs> and all the glory that they bring. Very American and that's very right. diabetic. Hopefully not. Yeah, exactly. Um, George Cooper, I've given you the duty of the three-word reviews today. What are they saying?
1: Oh, we've had some fantastic correspondence, Sammy. So we've uh, we moved on, we've taken them from Instagram today to uh, to mix it up a bit. So uh, Sebi Clark, Mitro's quality. I feel like that's a sentiment that's going to be yep. echoing throughout. Um, yeah, all the Fulham faithful. Scott Swansea spectacular by sledgy Nine. We love a bit of alliteration on the uh, three red views. So that's another one. Uh, Making Welsh points, um, Oz Webster. The uh, Metro Masterclass by Sam Newman. Uh, Let's go, baby, uh, from One Leo C. Maybe that's probably another American. Uh, <laughs> sounds sounds better in an American accent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it would have sounded a lot better. Rodak for President by Alexander Zerm. We'll come on to his uh, masterful performance later, I'm sure. Drop on a man now by Noah Arterberry. <laughs> <laughs> it's always wow. gonna be. It's always gonna be one, isn't there? There's always going to be one. Uh, Mitro Marry Me. Uh, Mitro Silence This One. A lot of these are metro themed. I think, you can, uh, I think you can probably tell. Fulham Taking Liberties. Um, Aaron Lamb. Uh, Black Friday Wales. Um, Steph Is Kante. Black uh, Friday
2: Wales is very good. That's
1: pretty good, actually. That's really I good. like that. That's by Patrick Joseph Brown. So well done, congratulations, Patrick. Sir. Onomar's Magic Pass. Yeah, we'll <laughs> We, we know him. what he's referring <laughs> to there by uh, Rudy Font. Uh, Mitro Rodak Gods uh, Blaine XW uh, and let's top it off with one more Mitro Swans Off by uh, Latimer Andrew so yeah oh this one's quite good actually RV for President Liberty Equality Fraternity So wow. I guess it's another uh, American Listen, a lot of Thanksgiving, a lot of metro, but uh, plenty to go off there,
2: I believe. With a French twist, yeah. that yeah. last <laughs> three-word <laughs> review. Right, let's get on to the game then. Fulham beating Swansea by two goals to one. Uh, Joe, we made one change. Uh, out came Bobby Decadova-Reed, um, unfortunate to pick up an injury after his first goal. How surprised were you to see Onoma in the lineup? I guess really looking at it, Scott didn't have too many other options.
3: Yeah, I wasn't surprised when I knew that Reed was out, which, I mean, I only knew when the lineup came out. Yeah. Um, I think if Reed's fit, he starts. Um, the only thing that I thought Scott might have done would be put McDonald in and put Kearney at 10. Yeah. Um, but I think it was actually a really positive move to put Kearney deeper, because it shows that he wants to control the game from deep, like we did against Derby. Um, and I think that we played some of the best football we've seen this season against Derby in terms of the way we controlled the game. And I feel like even though... The stats don't suggest that we dominated in fact we probably well we had the lower xg we we weren't the better side in terms of stats on friday i feel that we controlled the game throughout and that we uh, what we needed when we needed to slow the game down we did with with kearney in the deeper role and i feel that that was really positive i think that may be one of the
0: probably more promising developments that we've seen in the last couple games um, because we all know that so much for fulham goes through kearney and if we if a team can choke off it becomes very difficult for us to sort of you know assert our will on on the game and and i noticed in the derby game to your point exactly right he was dropping much deeper and it just seemed he was getting the ball much more he was sort of involved much more and i'm i'm really a big fan of that sort of role and if you can have someone who sits in front of him who sort of you know create in a defender sort of cleaning up that space it, it just opens up a lot of other things and it's really nice to see Kamara playing another position and creating things as well
2: um let's move on to the first big moment of the game which was uh, a well-developed Swansea attack mm-hmm. and Surridge getting to the back post it was one of those where all of us in the pub at the Fulhamish social we just all went oh no here we go <laughs> Marek Rodeck with a quality save um, I think Ian Holloway compared it to Gordon Banks on <laughs> EFL on Quest which maybe was taking it a little far but still a wonderful um, bit of goalkeeping from Marek Rodek. and one of those moments which felt game changing fully game changing after that I think Fulham picked up some confidence because under just normal circumstances, that would have been 1-0 to Swansea, six minutes in, and it would have been a really, really long evening.
1: Oh, no, absolutely. And he's, uh, he's never one to shy away from hyperbole, is Ian Holloway, is he? No, of face course it? not. <laughs> but no, absolutely. Game-defining, how many times have we seen Fulham concede a ga- goal fairly early on and then drop heads and struggle to break teams down? And the, the magnitude of that save cannot be understated. It was a, it was phenomenal. Um but yeah, what did what did um, Betts describe it as something uh, in, a, in a tweet? Um, tuna.
3: Yeah, tuna. tuna.
1: I don't know whether that's a goalkeeping term, something from the goalkeepers union perhaps, but he said fantastic tuner. So I think, oh, I hope to see a lot more
0: tuners for the rest of the season.
1: From bad,
2: I can't, I actually can't, it must be really obvious. I can't think what the hell that means. I, is is no it because you have to
0: go down and like, like, he has to go down to go get it or something. I, I don't know. It's like, it's worth, maybe we could ask a, a listener, Alaska listener, if somebody hears this and has the answer to it, we can uh, we can come back to it. But it must yeah, be a well, what is that? Thing. But I mean, the the way
1: he's managed to get down. When we we're saying, I think we were talking before we we started recording that the difference that we feel between Betts and Rodak is, although Rodak is all of what six foot four plus. How, I'm not sure exactly how tall he is, but his ability to get down to the ball quickly mm-hmm. is something that we feel certainly separates him. He just gives him that edge over 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 old Betts. That second
0: save that he made, where he pushes the ball wide. I just thought as well, one, it, it's it's very difficult. He's going away from himself. He's throwing himself backwards. But also, you know, just the fact that he pushes it out and not back across goal or not into a dangerous area. I, you know, I we, we love hyperbole. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. And But I've we watched him for a couple games now and he's he's making some of these saves that you don't want to be rude to bets, but you're not convinced that he would make the same ones in that sort of circumstances.
3: I feel a lot more confident when a shot's coming in and Rodak's facing it. Yeah. I know that he hasn't played many games yet and I know that it's very early on and he has good, he's had a good start as Bettinelli's had very good spells as well, but I just I feel that with Rodak he's so far he's got it all. Apart from the error that he made when he kicked it out against QPI's distribution's been pretty much perfect he's known when to kick it long he's known when to pass it short he's good on the ball and he's also very good at um, knowing when to punch or catch I feel and I just feel that he, he dominates his area more than Bettinelli does well, I mean,
2: it was a, a masterful performance from, from Marek Rodak and um, rightly so. He was the uh, best player on the, on the Fulhamish player ratings and was awarded the man of the match um, by the official website today. Uh, interesting one with Sam Surridge. He was the player on loan from Bournemouth who scored the winning goal um, to knock Fulham out of the FA Cup last season for oh. Oldham Athletics. So a little bit of redemption for for Fulham against Surridge after probably the most humiliating moments of last season. And there were many. <laughs> <laughs> but losing to a managerless Oldham who were eighteenth in League Two at the time was particularly grim. Uh interesting that the FA Cup draw actually will be released by the time that you're listening to this podcast. We currently are about an hour away from it, so we won't be able to talk about it in this podcast. But um George, do you want to give me your thoughts on Fulham's FA Cup third round draw? What are your feelings? Can we win it? Oh, the FA Cup? No, the third round draw that's been already <laughs> announced by the time this podcast comes out. Do you think it's a good draw for Fulham? A oh, I draw? think it's
1: an exceptional draw. I know it's, it's a ground that I've not been to. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to... I really hope a little... it's at Craven Cottage. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah no, I've I, I feel like... With the FA Cup and especially with 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 the uh, with the advances that we have at this draw, it, it's almost it's certainty that we're going to at least make the finals. And I, I personally would like to see Fulham go on an FA Cup run, as long as it's not to detriment to our to
0: our league um, to our league form. But De- really, well, I, 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 I want to see the, the thing. I would like to see is particularly for I know that no one wants to pull him out. But I would love to see some other players play up top instead of Mitrovic and like let's 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 let some of these younger players, you know, that like like let the youth come out and play a bit and let's play a strongish team. I mean like you know even K Mac, right? Like give K Mac some minutes. He does he's not getting quite as many yeah. right now, but but yeah, but I, I don't think we can prioritise the... the... I couldn't give
2: a monkeys. Actually no. couldn't give a monkeys this season. It's, so it's people no, it's, it's, like it's...
0: you, which is why the FA Cup's dying, Sammy. It's proper football for proper
1: people. <laughs> when it's we're the... in the Premier
2: League, I want to win the <laughs> FA Cup. I want to go fully for the FA Cup. Even last season, when we were crap and we were going down, I wanted us to go for the FA Cup and I was pissed off about the Oldham game. Championship, couldn't care less. We need promotion. We need the weekends off. We need those breaks in order to sustain a promotion push. And actually, I think the season we went up getting knocked out in the third round meekly 1-0 to Southampton like we did was the best thing that could have happened to us it wasn't an embarrassment it was a Premier League team it was absolutely fine I just I know it sounds defeatist but- no, no
0: I, 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 I understand like you like let's be honest I mean this we, we have particularly with the last couple of results we've had and with Leeds and West Brom sort of sort of kind of pulling away a bit there is no very little margin for error going into Christmas and that after that season to sort of like drop points or to have any of any of your focus
2: taken off and yeah for for Fulham there's only one thing that matters this year well really winnable draw definitely for Fulham in the FA (laughs) Cup third round let's move on to Fulham's first goal nice play from Fulham down the left hand side Joe Bryan with the cross Abubakar Kamara with a wonderful bit of improvisation to hit the bar and then who's man on the spot Alexander also save. Mitrovic it was a tipped. it was tipped oh, under the was it, it tipped it was
1: an yeah. incredible save first in, in the first incident. oh I actually didn't spot that makes, yeah. it makes it, was, it much better when you realise the keeper going a, in
2: yeah yeah um, and then Mitrovic man on the spot I mean it was just a, a wonderful move and, and lovely after undergoing some real Tough pressure in that first twenty minutes for Fulham to go into the ascendancy and actually go and uh, nick a goal. It didn't feel very Fulhamish the whole the whole way that first half now panned out. Nathan,
0: no, and I'm looking at the stats for the night and how it sort of you know fell out, and you just go, this is not what we're used to seeing from for Fulham, and you know what? That's that's actually kind of great. It goes back to the QPR game; it's winning these games where we're not. You know, just controlling it for large portions of the game, but being—you know—I had a Leeds friend who listens to the podcast. Ironically, sometimes he said, "You know, the difference between your team and ours—and as he said this before, the the result uh, yesterday—is um, he said, you know, you guys are taking your chances when you get them. You're being very clinical about the opportunities you have, and that's that's also not very that's not very Fulhamish, you know, way to handle it.' And I just thought it was so impressive to see. You know, we we, we had a couple really dodgy moments. Rodak saved our bacon a bit. We, we you know Brian makes a nice, just messy cross. Kamara puts on target Mitra puts it away and then my favorite moment you know we, we have podcast tweeted out but just watching AK and sort of Mitra celebrate together and a little bit of that chemistry you know what what a wonderful thing to see this club just kind of move past some of the dysfunction of last year and have these very talented players be able to work together seem to like to each other Going Halloween, you know, Christmas parties together, and very questionable outfits. Um, you know that this 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 feels this feels different right now. It feels good, and we're winning games without having. We had no corners in the game. You know, we had let, sort of split
2: possession. You know, this is not what we're used to seeing. Well, I mean, what a change for for Mitrovic and Kamara within 12 months. I mean, it's nearly a year's anniversary since that infamous match last year. And, you know, within 11 months, uh, Kamara, Kamara's doing the famous nod uh, <laughs> at, at, at Mitro. I mean, everyone's talking about Mitro and his goals. It's now 15 in 18 league appearances for Mitrovic this season. Glenn Murray's got the championship record with 30 goals. We're not even ha- close to being halfway through the season. It's got to be there for the taking. It has to be.
3: I think so. And you look at Puki last season got pretty a pretty special amount of numbers. Um, what, what did Puki get? I think last he year? got around thirty, possibly just under. Uh, uh, testing me now. You, uh, you, you continue. <laughs> you continue, and I will Google. But Puki, I was looking the other day because I was thinking, Mitrovic is on unbelievable numbers for club and country this calendar year, let alone this season. And I was thinking, I wonder what Puki was on, and. Puki hadn't got going at this stage last season maybe he'd started to score. so I, d- I don't know what Mitrovic going to get because when he gets a chance it's, it's scary for the opposition it, it's, it's almost definitely going in mm. and I was so confident for the second goal especially first goal was a bit different it happened quite quickly but when Onoma's incredible acrobatic <laughs> oh, assist oh
1: fantastic
3: 29 <laughs> Messi 29 uh, 29 that Pookie got last so season. there you go he's already over halfway there mm. um, and yeah I mean after that incredible assist when the ball falls to him and he's got that little touch you know it's going in yeah it was no doubt was it I want Mitrovic to father my children
1: He's <laughs> he's just been an is perfect striker and he's exactly what we need and he's gonna obviously injure. the thing is I'm not worried I mean I'm touching wood himself I'm saying this but he's so, he's so hard and he's so tough that you can't see him picking up it I feels don't want to say like it. I don't he's, want to say he's
2: starting to win points for us which is yeah. maybe only one thing you could have labelled him at the start of the season he was getting goals but sometimes it was the second or third in a in a in a, a two 0 win. And now you've got the Birmingham game. You had the Luton game where he won us all three points. Um, He got us going um, the other night against Derby. And now with this kind of cameo against Swansea, he's now really starting to actually be the difference.
0: You know, one of the things I I thought watching the Derby game, and I wanted to give a shout out to a Fulhamish fan who came over and Jack Starr from Kansas City, Missouri. Came over and went to the QPR game and the Derby game and we haven't lost since since he came over the game, so maybe he needs to come over a bit more often. Yeah, um,
2: have my season too. Yeah,
0: exactly, my goodness. But what was impressive about that game and I, with Mitro is that I just watched him during the game, and actually, you know, he wasn't involved all that much. If you watched him, there are large stretches of the game where he's sort of just floating around, you know, we're not getting the ball to him any much, did it when he needed to but you know we're winning games where we're not having to just only rely on him and that's what we didn't do last year you know, we had to keep feeding him and the and the uh, second bit is that what i'm really kind of you know cautiously excited about is you know the christmas season is when it starts getting messy it gets you know it's like maybe snowy and icy and all the rest of those things this is Mitrovic's like prime territory it's like you know bane and batman in the darkness like mitrovich is like I, i'm used to this stuff like you know he could just absolutely clean up over the christmas season again knock on wood when he you know gets injured or whatever but you know we're we're entering to a point where this is his kind of primary and he just is great at sort of scuffing it up when defenders are, you know, under
2: pressure and who knows what's going to happen. The winter's your ally. (laughs) (laughs) I'd like to give some credit to Onoma for that goal. Now I know, I know that we're joking about the assist, but the interception, the the anticipation of that is what sets that going. And actually his positioning there, he limits all the options for the Swansea player on the left-hand side who gave it away. And Okay, I don't think that Onuma is a real long-term answer and he looks still short on confidence. But actually, in that moment... I think that he's a key linchpin to that goal going in. So I'd like to give a bit of credit to Onomar because I don't think that anyone really has given him any this season.
1: Yeah, absolutely. There's a uh, there's a form of martial art which is used by the Shaolin Monks which uh, which hangs on deception, which uh, which lures your opponent into a full sense of security before uh, overpowering them. And I feel like uh, Josh Onomar utilised such techniques uh, in setting up Mitrich for that goal. So t-
2: tangents today. Yeah, I George, I was about to say, Sabia's
0: never going to let you you and I on the pod <laughs> at the same time again. We've got Norwell, Tusk, we've got Bane. What else can we hit? before Hey, and shout out also to a member of the pod tonight who just got off his probationary period with his apprenticeship today. So, yeah. you know, there's another little tangent. Well done, Joe. Oh, thank Stop, you. Thank you. Good
2: <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah, man. Much respect. back. <laughs> so we went into uh, the halftime break 2 0 in the lead. It was a lovely, comfortable position to be in. And in that second half, we were just trying to take the sting out of it, really. And it was an unfortunate one that we did actually concede um, fairly early on in the half 65 minutes. We still had like a 25 minute period to see out. The goal, I feel like lots of players could have done better. Alfie Mawson, probably a little bit of blame. And Rodak. Given some of the saves he made in the first half, we'll be disappointed that that was the one that beat him. Because I think either of the first two in that first half, from By- from Byers and from Surridge, would have been fair enough. But he could have just been a little bit quicker to react to
3: it. I mean, if you're being harsh. I mean, he got down to it, so that's why he will be frustrated. I mean, it was right in the corner. It was four players unmarked. He doesn't know where who's going to get to it. He doesn't know where it's going to go. Um, it's just infuriating that that's the one that's gone in because yeah. on another day that's savable, but I don't think it was a goalkeeping mistake. I think it's a defensive mistake to leave him unmarked. But I do think that overall, that's the only major defensive mistake we made in the whole game. Because other than that, I thought I wouldn't say faultless, but I would say very solid, hard to break down, and pretty much everything that came into the box went away.
0: Jordan, I, you had a bit of space in that, like he. But I mean, let's be honest. At the same time, you know, this is a player who's probably better than a lot of his opposition but but he did seem to get free quite a lot in that game and had a lot of space to run into
2: and then for the rest of the game we, we did just about manage to hold it off i thought kevin mcdonald was impressive when he came on for the final 15 minutes um for kamara he really settled things there was no point where i really felt like we were under the cosh. i felt like at qpr it was all a bit last ditch and something could have gone wrong even though we just about managed to hold it on but it was just thoroughly professional throughout the whole thing. The most professional thing of course would have been to hold it on to 2-0 but Fulham are just starting to get a bit of grit under Scott. Some of that soft underbelly that I think we've had for years. Even maybe under Jukanovic we had a bit of it at times. Scott seems to be getting rid of that which which is which is a huge testament to him because I feel like it's something that's been at Fulham as far, far as I can remember, almost.
1: Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. We seem to have got a bit of bottle. Yeah. Whether it be just get it full stop or get it back, it, we're grinding out results, which is just it's fantastic to see. And it's it's imperative that we continue doing this throughout the rest of the season. But, yeah, I mean, how many times have we conceded soft goals in the past and, and in the recent past as well? So, yeah, whether it's something the Scots doing or, you know, the just gelling more defensively and um, and flapping less on the ball and just generally having more confidence in, in our own defending ability. Uh, I think we, we've touched upon it in the past in the podcast but the, the partnership between uh, Rima Mawson is, 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 had a massive uh, say to that and also uh, Adoy's done an excellent job at right back in my opinion as well and we've obviously spoken at length about Joe Bryan and what he brings to the team but um, the Centre back partnership and a he seems to be genuinely enjoying playing in that
0: right back position. I think we've got a very strong defense at the moment. You, you can't really I, mean, I think one of the things it's really hard we've we've said this, it's like we don't see what it's like on the training ground. We don't see the sort of things, and it's really easy to criticize a manager for substitutions of those things. And I've I've said this when, when friends ask, Well, you know, are Fulham gonna go up and I said, I don't really know. Say, is Parker the right guy for the job, not entirely sure at times. But what I do know is that the players respect and buy into what parker is trying to do and the players are improving and players are also being taken in and out of the lineup without there being a huge you know fuss like think about knockart getting dropped right that's a expensive players getting put out the switch with bets you know all this stuff is happening and the player the results on the pitch aren't you know you're not seeing sort of i don't think t- he's
2: losing respect
0: right that's what i'm saying like i think he's keeping it there and even kamara's development right and so that and then you tie all that together to the point about having a bit of bottle and sort of having a stick i think all that stuff comes to Together, and whatever Parker is doing, the players buy into it, and it gives you a bit of confidence going forward, particularly if we can marry that to the sort of tactics that seem to be
2: improving as we go. Well, yeah, I wanted to come on to the tactics, because Jack Collins and I, after the Hull game, we laid into Scott a little bit, because we just felt like sometimes there was a bit of tactical naivety to the whole thing, and the way that we dealt with the Hull game was was poor really from and and you felt like Hull when you look at Hull since they're a very beatable team and and we really like fell into their traps that day, and we just wondered if if Scott was being a bit naive with some of his tactical management Joe, but since then, a really, really robust win over a tough Birmingham side, Steve Cooper is an intelligent manager we heard it from the Swansea fan on the podcast last week how Steve he really does his homework on teams so he'll have done his homework on Fulham and and Scott managed to overcome a bit of a battle with him particularly in that second half where Scott managed to tweak his formations to kind of defy anything that Swansea and Steve Cooper was able to do I I think he deserves quite a lot of credit and and it goes back to what we said a lot of times he
3: seems to be a quick learner Definitely, because that whole game was a massive wake-up call for everyone. A few people were even calling for his head because it was that naive a performance against a team that basically built for counter-attacking, just played into their hands. Since then, we've basically had four different styles of win. It was a pretty nothing game at Birmingham, just managed to get through that. Come from behind against QPR, just battered Derby, and then um, basically just overcame a fairly tough Swansea team um, with a just professional away performance. And You can see from the start of the game against Swansea, the first two or three minutes, they didn't touch the ball and they sat back and that set the tone. Then they started coming forward and we just sat back for a bit and it was almost as if we read, okay, we're under pressure now. We're not going to just bombard them like sometimes we used to. Uh, We're going to ride this out and then we're going to hit them on the break. And then that that, that worked. And the fact is, well, that when we take the lead now, I know it frustrates me and it frustrates a lot of people when he... uh, changes to five at the back but i can't remember us going to five at the back and then not holding on to the win you've
2: perfectly <laughs> segged you've perfectly segged into what i was going on to next joe it's like you, you read my mind so i've got an email here we're going to do most of the questions later but this is a bit of a special one uh from chris frank now i remember chris because oh two seasons ago he did some really in-depth research on Shay Ojo and <laughs> i know it was nuts and I, I, I can't remember what he was trying to argue at the time i think it was how Fulham performed better with Shay Ojo and he was a bit similar to Josh Onuoha at the time Shay Ojo in the sense that Fulham fans didn't really rate it, rate him but he kept being selected and then after a while we seemed to Notice a pattern of when Shay Ojo played, we seem to do better. If if memory serves correct, so he's gone in this kind of depth again. So is it going to be good? Hello, I've not written in for a while. I last sent you some of the back of the envelope analysis that Fulham always won when Shay Ojo started during the promotion season. An equally robust follow-up is long overdue and I was interested in the recent pod discussion about how Scott Parker had made a tactical shift to a more defensive formation late in the game against QPR with Fulham in the ascendancy in order to try and hold on for the win. Your view matched my own that this seemed a strangely negative approach at the time. He then deployed the same tactic against Derby and then again against Swansea tonight, Friday night. So I thought... I thought it was worth looking into it some more. I looked through all Scott Parker's games as manager and found 18 games where we went into the last 15 minutes of the match with a scoreline that we would want to defend. i.e., we were in the lead or holding on to a good draw against opposition such as Liverpool. I've compared the occasions when Scott replaced a midfielder <laughs> attacker with a defender in order to shift to a back five with those games where he did not do this. Helpfully, there is an even split. Nine games where Scott has deployed the defensive switch to a back five and nine games where he has not. Underlined, in all nine cases where the defensive switch has been made, the scoreline was successfully defended. Mm. Indeed, we have spent a total of 122 minutes, including injury time, at the end of these nine games in the defensive switch formation and have conceded zero goals. Also only scored one, Kearney against Derby on Tuesday when we compare this to the nine games where we have <laughs> not made a tactical defensive switch in the last 15 minutes of the match while defending a scoreline in these games we failed to hold on to the results where we were defending in five out of the nine occasions in the games where we've a defensive switch a total of 187 minutes were racked up um in this time we conceded a total of seven goals to put it succinctly, under Scott, when we don't switch to five at the back, we end up throwing away our good position more often than not. Um, he does then go on to say it's not a big enough data set to make the case for the defensive switch definitively, but it's prob- and it's probably circumstantial, but interesting nonetheless. Chris, we bow... To your oh, he incredible, incredible, yeah, well, well incredible done, data dive, but fascinating. I just, I get when I get those emails, I'm just like,
0: put him on like a uh, you know quest or somewhere like that. I mean, it's like this is the type of stuff that's actually really put him interesting. On the
2: payroll, <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: Exactly. <laughs> what payroll?
2: Um, I mean, wonderful stuff. Uh, I was sorry, I meant the Fulham payroll, not our payroll. say,
0: I was about to say, say
2: wow, <laughs> but George. Very fascinating and data that goes against what I would reasonably believe as a fan just from looking at things without that kind of deep dive.
1: Mm, I'm just alarmed that we're playing right into uh, the management of Bristol City's hands for our forthcoming game you can't be uh, giving away our our Fulham secrets Lee Lee
2: Johnson is a Fulham fan so may (laughs) conceivably be listening to the podcast unlikely but yeah we have given away uh, the secret and thank you very much for that Chris wonderful wonderful analysis okay we're going to take a quick break uh, and then afterwards we're going to have a, a little look at the rest of the championship and answer some of your questions. How does free beer sound to you? Well as a loyal listener to Fulhamish we'd like to reward you with just that free beer. It's thanks to our friends at Beer52.com who are giving you the opportunity to sip 10 free exclusive craft beers from all around the world. All you need to do is go to Beer52.com slash Fulham and cover the £4.95 for the postage so you will get sent 10 craft beers the very next day all you need to do is cover that postage. Now if you don't know about about beer 52 they are beer pioneers they traverse the globe to find the best and most interesting beers from the greatest small batch breweries the planet earth has to offer each month beer 52 will deliver a case with a different theme past themes have included germany korea norway and many more but they're also passionate about the uk craft beer scene too beer 52 don't hold you to ransom there's no lock-in and you can leave anytime your first box will be sent to you the very next day so to take advantage of this deal just go to beer beer52.com fulham that's beer52.com fulham and get your first case of 10 craft beers for free all you need to do is cover the postage that's beer52.com forward slash fulham would you
1: like the latest fulham breaking news straight to your phone i thought you might if so sign up to the fulhamish whatsapp channel and you'll receive regular match day updates transfer updates breaking ffc news and podcast alerts it's 100% free and you can opt out anytime if you want. To sign up, go to Fullamish.co.uk forward slash WhatsApp and follow the instructions. That's Fullamish.co.uk forward slash WhatsApp.
2: Welcome back to part two of the Fullamish podcast. Sammy James here with George Cooper. All right, mate. Joe Sansom. Hello. And Nathan Martin hurrah okay just a quick little look at the rest of the championship um again we don't know the result of the west brom game which is tonight very interesting one they're playing preston i believe uh, yep yeah. um but uh four wins in a row does not seem to have got us any closer to the top two but we do now seem to have a little gap um in third place is it becoming a three-horse race joe
3: yes um I've seen a few few people say that um Nottingham Forest are involved um I doubt any Nottingham Forest fans are listening but um they'll probably hate me for saying this but I don't think they are a threat. Okay. I think they're a top 6 threat. I don't think they're a top 2 threat because I feel like they're a very a very defensive team. Um that just make the most of their chances so far smash um, and grab uh, smash and grab exactly like they did against us and they're, ve- they're very good at it but I don't think that that's um what you can do to get into the top two this season with how good Leeds and West Brom and hopefully we are um I feel that West Brom are probably the best team in the league so mm-hmm. far for I mean, sure Pereira. Uh, yeah I mean great player I mean I'm glad we played them when we did and we should have won that game yeah, we because they hadn't really hit their stride yet um and it, it's a frustrating point but at least we didn't play them now where i think it could have been a lot of a lot harder game um i think that leeds game in december is massive Mm -hmm. but i do feel like it is us three starting to pull away with those two still a little bit in front obviously a
2: worrying gap though between us second and first there's still no room for error any drop points over four upcoming games which are really really hard um bristol preston brentford leeds and and it will be a sizable gap to make up if we do and it and it feels a little bit like 1718 again where we just may really struggle to break down that gap to the top 2 because of our slow starts Obviously, yeah. if we go twenty-three unbeaten, then we'll probably will do it. But. Yeah,
0: I mean, just but but I, I keep saying let's wait till we see how it comes out of Christmas because you know there, there's a bunch of fixtures that'll be happening. Like you said, those four matches that are coming up are going to be really crucial. And you know the other sides are also you're going to have start having injuries, people picking up injuries. There'll be some some nicks and things. And if we come out of Christmas and there's still that sort of gap between us and West Brom then then we're really gonna have to be start gunning for the second place um but like as you said right now it does look like there's sort of three squads that are slightly better than the rest of the league it's not a wolves scenario not a newcastle scenario but it is starting to to define itself a bit
2: george are the bees top two consideration the bees brentford top two Did you see them on? Oh yeah, it
1: was just the seven goals, wasn't it? Um, (laughs) But no, I don't think they're top two content. Um, But my best mate's bees fan as well, Um, and he wouldn't mind me saying this. I think, I think they're almost a dead cert for uh, for top for, for playoff spots. But I don't think they've. Quite got the legs to take it to top two. And that's just my opinion. You won't want to play them in the playoffs either. Though That's like
2: I don't want to play them in ten days' time, Nathan. <laughs> no, exactly. But, but I'm just saying, you
0: know, they're, and they're, they're just a well-run club. Yeah, they, I, they do I this think, every year. The, you know, they've got a good fan base. As much as it might hurt us to say, I don't think they're a top two. No. but I would hate to face them in the playoffs. I, I could not agree
1: more. And as you said, I love they had the um, their statistician who, who tragically passed away last season, wasn't it? But they they utilise the moneyball system. I think just about as good as any team in. the the football league they run on a shoestring budget that club and they buy cheap sell for big and then reinvest it wisely yeah. I, I think they're an absolute hallmark to how to run a football club I know there are local rivals but I've got a lot of respect for Brentford however having said that I don't think they're going to be top two contenders
2: and if you want to have a little bit of um, realism on, on Brentford listen to the Richard Osman podcast because uh I still think the fact that he called them irrelevant is my favourite moment. <laughs> he missed, missed a big trick there. He should have called them pointless. I know. It was a little bit of a missed trip, wasn't it? But still, one of my favourite moments ever doing Fulhamish. Right, let's move on to some questions. First one isn't really a question. It's more a statement. Um, another good bit of research here from Harry Prowse, who uh, sent me this on Twitter. So Stephen Cessignon was injured. And the club actually never said anything, but they did say anything in an under-23s report. In the notable talking points at the bottom, there is one bullet point that says, Stephen Sessegnon made his comeback from injury by completing 63 minutes in tonight's PL Cup clash.
1: God, that's that's so odd to think about that, it that way. Somebody who was, you know, starting for us. And if he's been in... so you suggest that he's been injured this whole time and just nobody's mentioned it.
2: I don't, I, I'm I'm baffled. I mean, if, if someone wants to clarify where the club said he was injured, but I mean, Joe, this is the kind of thing I generally would imagine you
3: to be on top of or know about. And I remember you saying that no one knew. Yeah, well, and also they still haven't mentioned that Harry Arter's been missing since the Charlton game. Um, <laughs> that's right. That's he, right. Hasn't, he hasn't been on the bench either. I mean, I guess maybe it's a tactic so that, I mean, I wouldn't, I would say that it'd be a tactic to use more with maybe some of our attacking players, where teams might, might not know who they're going up against. Mm. Um, but it's, it is a bit unusual. I, I, I'd seen that he'd come back in that match via that article as well, and I thought it was That's a bit really of an odd weird. one.
2: Yeah,
0: but you see this in like sometimes the NFL, where um, I think it was the Patriots or whoever else, they'll sort of play a little bit fast and loose with you know who's hurt, who's not hurt, because you don't want to let your you know rivals know who you're going to play. But yeah, to your point, with the Arthur harder point is a great one just you know this Where is he? Did, did, did was there a fight over dinner you know Sunday dinner yeah, one night and, that man. Yeah exactly like my goodness like it's it's a very odd one That's a very interesting point these say so teams in the NFL will
1: sometimes falsely claim that a player's injured or vice versa to try and throw the other to, to the tactical advantage. because when you think about it what reason has Scott Parker got to Claim who's not going to be playing or who is going to be playing? Is it just to keep the fans involved? You have to.
0: I think there's some usually some rules with the you know with the NFL or the you know the EFL over here where you can't you know there, there's sort of a, a line. But to your point, yeah, why not just not pro- to provide as little information as possible? Because honestly, like you know, as long as the club knows what's going on with the players and the players know that they're on the same page
2: doesn't help anybody we have seen some mind games
0: from scott parker i love it i Man, love Tony, it. <laughs> tony's bringing over some stuff from the jags and the nfl so
2: i remember though when i did some work for the club and i remember that we asked for um a chat with like the physio because we wanted to do an injury update and i just remember being told that they don't really do that and i remember it i just remember it specifically and i want to go into the reasons why or whatever but there wasn't really any reason why they were just out. Yeah, they don't really do that. I think it's just a case of clubs keep injuries close to their chest. Sometimes they don't want to broadcast every bit of information it makes me wonder where some of those websites that track injuries get some of their info from is it itks or For moles in the club <laughs> yeah the physio moles
1: there's yeah. <laughs> a rep it's like the departed but philip
2: well can you imagine if there's a physio that never is trusted because he, uh, he constantly gives away uh, information to uh, itk websites right let's do some questions uh lawrence craven this is a great question aside from metro if we can't afford to lose a player to injury this season, who would it be? So, other than Mitro, who would be the most damaging player for Fulham to pick up an injury to? Let's just go, American Tim Ream. I
0: don't know. I'm, I'm going to I'm just throwing it out there. You know, the, the point being well, is that you've got
3: Michael Hector in. Within, so, so
0: let's see. How, uh, yeah, I have no idea. Let, let's. Yeah, I guess that's a good point. So in, in a month, scratch.
3: Scratch that. I think it's Kearney, Yeah. Personally, just because. Uh, I, I feel like without him we don't create enough. Um, mm. and he just runs the show 9 times out of 10.
2: If he picked up a season long injury, will it be worth calling back John McHale-Seri? Cuz clearly Ooh. Galatasaray don't want him and I think it's probably Fulham that are saying no we don't want him back because we can't afford
3: his wages, but well I know I know we said Onoma did well with that inception but I wouldn't want to see Onoma at, at 10 for the season. I, I mean, I guess Bobby Reed would play there, yeah. but then you would probably have Reed and Johansson is that too defensive I, I just feel like without Kearney we don't have the balance no mm, I'd have to be. I can't I can't particularly look past Kearney yeah. you know he's starting
1: to play that Andre Pirlo role um, and I, I think it's really starting to gel so he would be a major major miss as for bringing Seri back, I mean, that's a, that's a beautiful, hypothetical situation to, to imagine, although I, I could, could never see that Can happen. Can you imagine John
0: Michael who's famously, you know, his feet doesn't doesn't really like the cold. Yeah, You're coming, the to, the, coming mid- to play the championship. <laughs> You're coming to play, you know, a championship Luton Town. Oh, no, yeah.
2: yeah. Preston, <laughs> Preston next in. Tuesday. Oh, gosh. Do you think Seri's up for that? I don't think so. Yeah, and I,
0: I like him a lot. I think he got a bad rap, but I just cannot imagine he wants to come play any more than, you know, the club wants him back right
2: now. Colm Boogler. Which of any of the five on loan players would you be happy with us signing permanently at the end of the season? So, out, let's say you can only pick one of the on loan players. Forget the clauses. Maybe let's exclude Bobby Reed from this conversation because, from what we understand, we don't really have the option to send Bobby Reed back. So, you've got Harry Arter, Knockout, Cavalero, and Harrison Reed, and Harrison Reed. You can only take one of them. Who do you take, Nathan?
0: Probably Cavalero i think i think cav even though he's been a little bit like sporadic or whatever like i think he would do a job for you in the premier league he would do a job for you you know if you're in the championship again knockhart's pretty pricey and you know we, we, we've sort of been able to drop him in and out the other one it might be harrison reed though is harrison reed is, is just been so consistent and he's one that just slots into sort of every position but but yeah cav's probably the pick that i'd have to have I was just say you can't pick all of them. <laughs> yeah.
1: Just talking through. Um, Cab for me. I, I like I like all of them apart from. I've made my opinions of Harry Arter known on this podcast, but apart from that, I, I would take all of them. But Cab for me, I feel like his attitude is fantastic. He, he graphs. He's quick. He's strong, um, and he provides the most for us. Um, I feel moving going forward, and yeah, looking to the future as well. I feel like he he's genuinely got the biggest place in our team mm-hmm. from what we've seen at the moment. But Cab for me.
2: Um this one from Michael B why has Dennis Adoy become the Belgian Cafu <laughs> <laughs> he, he raises a serious point though he hasn't just turned into a wonderful player but since he's come back into the side it's been really impressive from Dennis I personally just believe we're playing him in his right position he came to us as a right back shock horror he's doing quite well as a right back
3: yeah if you think back to his first game against Newcastle when he played at right back he was brilliant and we were thinking oh my goodness this is the this is the right back we've been waiting for and then he got displaced by Fredericks and to be honest I think that O'Doy is better than Fredericks defensively it's just that Fredericks is probably just a lot quicker going forward. I wouldn't even say that Frederick has got a better final ball than Adoy. I think Adoy's final ball, recently especially, it's oh. actually been very, very impressive, especially that one against QPR. It's absolute peach.
0: And the, and the ability of a right-back like that who can drive into the centre like like Adoy likes to do, where he'll just sort of go on those runs, it's, it's sort of, we laugh about it a little bit, but it creates all types of havoc, and Scott obviously wants his, his wingers to do that a bit. You know, Joe does it on the other side where they'll those make those runs when space Cleans up. I like Dennis a lot. I think De- I have a lot of time for him. He works hard. He does whatever the club asks him to do. He'll. He. He never. He, he never leaves anything off. Dennis you know.
2: literally asked, does anything the club asks <laughs> him to do? They asked him to collect donations last year, and he was out on the Stevenage Road. Like he literally will <laughs> do anything hero. they say. Absolutely, and um, I think he got his hundredth appearance for Fulham uh, on Friday as well. So congratulations to Dennis. I was thinking about what's Dennis's greatest moment. Now everyone's going to think oh, the Derby well, No, everyone's going to think the Derby game. But I go back to the back thing.
0: Oh, the back thing was ridiculous against Newcastle. Yeah, but you can't you can't really say that the back thing is better. Like. Than, than, than the goal against Derby because, I mean, that is literally going to be a club-defining moment. But the back thing was ridiculous. This
2: last two. This one from David Kettlehake. This is a bit more fun. Uh, love the podcast. Keep up the great work. Question for the lads. In recent memory, who are the three signings that arrived with great fanfare but totally failed to live up to expectations? Um, I've got my three, beginning with a certain John michel but I'm curious to hear what your choices are. So you don't necessarily have to give me three, but... Um, name me a player that arrived with great fanfare but didn't live up to the hype at all you can go either New or old.
1: I would say Brian Ruiz he was oh of course um, great shout it was uh, he came with such high expectations and the first thing you do as a football fan when you've signed a player that you've heard of and you know is good is look at a skill compilation on YouTube and having looked at primary skill compilation <laughs> on YouTube I was like we have signed the best player on the planet Yeah. <laughs> however things obviously didn't quite work out the most frustrating thing for me about that signing was that we saw these flashes of brilliance that were just too few and far between However, I, I think he had some he had some kind of um issues that weren't to do with football that were going on in his life at the time. So, and he was home, you know, he was he'd have to have left his family and stuff. I know you've got to leave mm. that and play on the field. So, it was unfortunate that it didn't work out because I think that he could have been really really special for us. However, I just don't think he was cut out for English football full stop really, but um he was one that
3: I was disappointed it didn't work out. I think I'll go with um Sherla Myself, yeah. Yeah, I remember I was so excited when we signed him, even though quite a few Dortmund fans seemed quite happy to see him go. I was thinking, oh well, just ungrateful, maybe. I I don't know, maybe he just had a poor time at Dortmund. But then when he arrived, first few games, he was well, very, very decent, maybe even good. Mm. And then after that, apart from one or two brilliant goals, I mean, he just he 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 didn't seem to care, in my opinion, and that was what really stuck out to me.
0: Nathan, yeah, I was just gonna agree with the Charlotte, just because like I, you just think you get a professional like this. I loved that signing not because I thought he'd set the world on fire, but because I thought he'd sort of be reliable. You he would get you a few goals, he, but he would also just do the what the manager needed him to do, work for the club, and it was just, he was just such a like just depressing player to watch. It was just it's just horrible. It was it was really bad.
2: Yeah, I'm trying to think who mine is. I, Going back old school, I don't think you can get much more than Steve Marley. Mm. I mean, he is the obvious one for me. Back, but it was such a seismic moment. We we spent more than ten million pounds on a footballer. It was kind of game changing. I, I mean, I think Van der Sar was the most game changing transfer of of that. Summer. That was the most I can't believe we've done this. But Steve Marley was so highly rated. If you see some of Steve Marley's goals, he was scoring for Leon before he joined us. There is one in particular, I can't remember who it was. I want to say Saint-Etienne or something like that in France. But it's in the most outrageous folly you have ever seen. And you see that coming to Fulham, you're thinking, Oh my god, we've signed one of the world's best players, and he was in the France team, they were champions of the world. And it just fell so flat on its face. It was ridiculous. So I think going old school, I'll go back to Steve Marley.
1: Yeah, that's a very good chat. Also, I uh, want to chuck in the mix, Konstantinos uh, Mitroglu, who yeah, was just absolutely shocking from start to finish, played about three minutes for us and, uh, and just, just seemed to put on weight for the entire time that I he was with s- us. I
2: seem to remember thinking that it wouldn't work in a way with Metroglu. obviously it was disappointing but Mm. there felt like it felt like a move of desperation at the time and and it ultimately turned out to be one
1: there are rumours that we could have signed Antoine Griezmann instead of him do you remember that Yeah, when it went round so how how different things could have been
2: Um, I I am not even sure Griezmann could have saved us that season (laughs) Um, right final question this is just for George Uh, this (laughs) is from John Harkness And he says, how old is too old for Twitter? In brackets, asking for a friend.
1: (laughs) How old is too old for Twitter? Oh, right. (laughs) This is the guy
2: who (laughs) didn't listen to the Fulhamish Extra in the week that um, George royally um, <laughs> just pulled his pants down on the on the podcast basically because John had a Twitter account that was his username was an email
1: address <laughs> it was his email address and oh I I believe I uh, described it as a reason why middle aged people shouldn't have Twitter however I did I did go on to hastily backtrack and thank him very much for his uh, for getting in touch <laughs> as I am right now but I would say to for Twitter if you if you can if you could see the phone if your eyesight is good enough to see the phone then I'd say yeah. Uh, what are so
2: you saying? If you need glasses to look at Twitter, then you shouldn't have Twitter.
1: Um, I, if your if your eyesight is deteriorating from age age so 40 plus <laughs> I'm Ge- digging myself George, George, George
0: will be deleting his Twitter account
2: later this week actually <laughs> at George Croops underscore is <laughs> will be where available where you can tweet if you are still young enough for Twitter your thoughts on Gipsy George's uh, opinions on Twitter alright George uh, hopefully you do a little bit better at this task we need to name today's podcast Sam, what are you thinking Sammy
0: one thing we should say but for people oh, going yeah? for one thing we should say for people going to the game on Saturday saw the club and tweet this I think there's going to be like on the minute two they're going to be doing a nice yes. little moment of remembrance for Benicaphobe lost his daughter. Minute number two, they're going to do a bit of a, a round of applause. So it'd be great to have the Fulham fans you know, go alongside the Bristol fans. Everyone hates to see that.
2: No, very fair point. And obviously, all our thoughts with, with Benic and his family, it's um, absolute tragedy. And I, I was I was really devastated reading that yesterday. So yeah, let's please join in the second minute. Um, applause for, for Benic's daughter. Um, right, George, uh, on a happier note, let's uh, choose the name of the podcast.
1: We are going for Black Friday Wales, and that's by Patrick Joseph Brown. So, well done, mate! Thank you very much uh, that
2: uh, you've named the pod. A wonderful three word review, mm. that. That's one of my favourites. Topical as well, on Cyber Monday. <laughs> <laughs> if you're not, if you, if you, what, do they have Black Friday in the states, don't we they? We started it. All oh, right, yeah. Do it's, they have Black Friday everywhere now?
1: Talking of conspiracies, we were going on about earlier on in the pod. <laughs> supposedly, it's a consumer conspiracy to mean that. By the time Christmas comes around, the uh, the receipt has expired, so you
0: can't take any of your goods back. Wowzers. I, I, I have more history on this, but
2: I think Sammy might kill me if I give you more backstory on Black Friday. <laughs> yeah, maybe less us save <laughs> tangents. We've got plenty more podcasts to get into that in the future, Nathan. Thank you very much for listening today. Thank you to George Cooper. Thank you very much. Thank you, Joe Sansom. Thank you. And thank you to Nathan Martin. You white. Right. Fulhamish Extra will be out later in the week, hosted by Monsieur Don Betts. Uh, and have a good week come on your ice